All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 123 of the DFO Rundown, the uh, final Monday regular season edition of 2022 NHL season. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And in a week's time, the NHL playoffs will begin. There are still a few, uh, definitely some playoff seedings still to figure out. And uh, the two wildcard spots in the West, uh, not officially done but uh, vegas is definitely teetering on the uh, brink frank how you doing oh baby better than the vegas golden knights today i can tell you that much tough one losing to the san jose sharks last night it's not just losing it's how they lost up four two with under three minutes to play in a game that you absolutely need the points to stay alive in your playoff chase yikes yeah that was uh, that was tough to watch uh, unless you're the la kings or uh, Nashville or Dallas, I'm sure they were fist pumping watching that one because that that almost punches the ticket. Like I, Vegas was in a tough spot anyway, but uh, mm-hmm. now now they're like they got to win out and then hope that Nashville and Dallas certainly stub their toe. Well, it's going to be such a pivotal swing on Tuesday. All of a sudden, if the Golden Knights can win against the Stars in regulation on Tuesday night, those two teams going head to head, it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. If it's a three-point game, not really all that much because Dallas is still in a great spot. Or if Dallas wins, of course, the math is really easy at that point. The West, the eight teams in the West are set. Dallas is in. That would officially clinch. It would eliminate Vegas. It's going to be must-see television on Tuesday night. You know, the, the Nashville, not Nashville, excuse me, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, there, there's been a lot of questions, Frank, about, and I saw Mike McKenna and others, just their, their goaltending situation from removing Marc-Andre Fleury. And they said, well, they put Robin Lehner in a bad spot. And I'm like, so is the bad spot that they expected him to play too many games? I, I would probably need a little more context to the comments, but... I think they put Robin Leonard in a bad spot because, well, for a number of reasons, I've reported on his injuries and I've been rock solid in terms of my information. The torn labrum in his shoulder, like I I reported, you know, in early March, March 2nd, need surgery. 
battles his way back. I, and I didn't say then I said need surgery at some point and left open the idea that he may come back and try and battle through it comes back and has a really significant knee injury that I was told was a slight fracture, a hairline fracture of his kneecap, incredibly painful. Like apparently one of the most painful injuries you can have. And he works his way through that to come back and play. And I think what has been unfair to Robin Leonard has been this sort of charade, this game that the golden Knights have played where Pete DeBoer has said, Oh, he's healthy and well-rested. That's not what you do to a guy that's, that's really fighting through to play for your team, like, and and is really putting it on the line. And I, I think there has certainly been some friction there, not just between Leonard and maybe the coaching staff, but also between the coaching staff and management. It seems pretty clear to me that Logan Thompson is Pete DeBoer's guy. And I think going back to that game in which Leonard was pulled in the first period, which also put Leonard in an unfair spot, that my hunch, my guess is that Pete DeBoer wanted to start Thompson in that game and was overruled by his general manager. So, so here's my issue. It seems that there, like, I understand that sometimes, you know, you, you don't have to have blind loyalty to players. I totally understand. I think Bill Belichick shown for years in New England Patriots that when the time's there, you have to remove emotion and you make uh, you make changes to your team. But it, it seems like there, A, there, there's not continuity within the organization on how they view things. And then B, they're like, hey, we got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, Robin, to give you the starting job. So come hell or high water, you're going to be our starter. You got to suck up everything. Like, it does doesn't, it just doesn't seem like a like a, a very healthy situation right now. And, and I'm fascinated about the offseason of the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, there is still a chance, Frank, as you outlined to start, you know, if they beat Dallas in regulation, then they're 91 points or 92 and Dallas is 93 and they'll come down to the final two games. And all Dallas has to do, though, is win one of their two and they're in. But so if they if they get in, maybe that changes. But if they don't. Like, this team doesn't you, seem like they have the goods to get in. Does anything point to you to this no. season to think that they should be a playoff team? Probably not. No. And so if, it doesn't really change a lot for me if they end no, up somehow sneaking in. So who do you think would be would would, would the GM at all? be in uh, in hot water with Bill Foley or does the owner look and say man so we, we got Jack Eichel but he didn't play for how many months because he's coming off injury Mark Stone our emotional leader one of our best players he's out for a long time our goalie's been playing banged up uh, pa- Max Pacioretty was out Martinez was out go on down the list of how many key guys would they just be patient and say okay it was a one-off or are they going to continue with what Vegas has done the last few years and be almost like highly emotional knee jerk decisions at times to just say, we got to make the big splash all the time. Well, there's a lot to unpack in that question. And I would say first and foremost, it should matter. How does, how is this is the first question I think Bill Foley needs to ask himself. Does it matter to him? How his team is perceived in the marketplace among players and among fans? Because you mentioned components A and B in your in your previous statement, and and I would throw in C, which is it seems like the Vegas Golden Knights can't tell the truth to save their lives under any circumstance. Um, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know where it emanates from in terms of um, the way that they go about their business. I I can only tell you that from a number of players that I've talked to, and this is way outside of, you know, what happened with Marc-Andre Fleury last summer. Yeah. They don't like how they're treated. They don't like that. You know, as you said, there doesn't need to be blind loyalty, but there appears to be no loyalty at all. Yeah. You know, it's not just, Marc-Andre Fleury, the reigning Vezina Trophy winner and face of the franchise being traded for nothing over the summer and not being told. It's all the other guys that have been through there that have helped that franchise along that were discarded like pieces of meat. Nate Schmidt, 
Paul Stasny, you know, go down the list of these guys that have been, that feel like they've been wronged or fed a bill of goods. So when it comes to moving forward, my big thing is, are you okay with the culture that's been created? Because it's a sour one. And it's one where I think players have serious questions about wanting to play there with the way that it's being operated. It's, it seems like a chaotic, dramatic, toxic environment. So, uh, you know, that to me would be a number one on my list, how they figure out their cap issues, everything else. But I would think with just the decision-making process, there would have to be some kind of reckoning for Kelly McCrimmon as well, given that this is how the goaltending situation played out, given that you watch a game like Sunday night, Jack Eichel, no points, minus two, bad shootout attempt, awful in OT. I mean, I, I like you, you created headache after headache for yourself cap-wise this season and you did it last year. How many games did they play last year? I kept track of it at a certain point that they played with a short lineup because they couldn't ice a roster cap wise. Was it eight or 10, 12 times in a 56 game season that they just said, you know what? We're good playing one, two, three players short at times because we just can't get our cap situation straight. No team in the league has had their cap situation that badly. And depends on how you want to look at it. Mismanaged or maybe even properly managed given the 10 pounds of shit that they're trying to fit in a five pound bag. Yeah. Well, it is on how you look at it. Yeah. Well, to me, I just look at, um, there, there just seems to be a lot of dysfunction and, and, and unnecessary angst that I believe that you need to, to put your players in a position where they feel comfortable. And when players feel comfortable, like not too comfortable, but comfortable and, and respected, you got a much better chance to have success. And like, sure. You don't want everybody to never have to compete for ice time or anything like that. You can have healthy competition, but there doesn't seem to be healthy competition in, in Vegas. And they don't seem to have, um, it was almost like they got so close to the Stanley cup that are like, come hell or high water. We're doing everything possible and we're never satisfied. And, and here's the thing. You can go down the list in, in organizations of teams that have a really good regular season and then just don't win. Like, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. How many years? 2015, they lost in the cup final. 2019, they were the best team, one of the best teams in 30 years, lost in the first round. They didn't go out and make massive changes. They didn't disrespect their core players. They just said, you know what? We're missing a few pieces of energy and grit. And so they went out and got Goudreau and Coleman. And Changes are fine. I think players are okay with change. It's just the way in which it's been done. And, you know, you, you mentioned the lightning. There's so many other examples that are pertinent in this case, the Washington capitals, they won the president's trophy, you know, they end up, you know, keeping most of the same core together. Another kick at the can in 2018, they win the St. Louis blues. How good were some of those blues teams in the early and mid part of the decade that just couldn't get past Chicago and some other teams. They finally break through in 2019, the rosters that won in Washington, St. Louis, Tampa, you know, you could mention Boston and some of the other teams that have been highly competitive. They've all evolved and changed, but it doesn't mean that you need to drop kick your players on the way out. Yeah. And I think that's been part of the thing is that they've been sort of told one thing and then what happens is another thing. And, you know, I, I think it manifests itself or you see it play out on the ice in a situation like what ended up unfolding with Robin Leonard the other night when he gets pulled at the end of the first period, like, I don't really care what the situation is. You don't do that. Robin no. Leonard is injured. We just talked about his, his shoulder injury. If you take a look at the goal that was scored, reaching over his head, did it look ugly? Of course it looked ugly. Seven minutes in. It looked to me like a guy that was reaching for a puck whose body just couldn't quite cooperate. The period ends 1-1. How many coaches are actually pulling their goalie at the end of the first period in a 1-1 game? Yeah, unless they they know he's hurt, right? And and he says, I can't do it. But then why are you starting? I I don't think that's Robin Leonard. Do you think Robin Leonard is in there raising his hand saying, I can't can't compete? No, I don't think so. And in fact, my guess, and I don't know for sure, 
my guess is he was probably pretty, pretty peeved about getting pulled in that situation, but it, it comes back to everyone being on the same page. If you wanted to start Logan Thompson, which is, it sure seems like reading between the lines of everything Pete DeBoer has said, even going back to the previous game when he admonished his goaltending and said that Thompson's the only guy that's shown up for us. Well, it seems like he wanted to start Thompson, but was told, no, this is the guy that, you know, we're paying big money to. And he puts in Leonard because he has to. And then sort of read between the lines in the post-game press conference again. And it was Pete DeBoer saying, well, this is the guy that we're paying $5 million a year to start for us. It just, everyone's watching that. Everyone sees that. And I, I think, you know, going back to Bill Foley and how competitive he is, I was there the night they named the franchise. I was there at the expansion draft. I was there at all these different events. And to hear him talk about this team and their MO and what it's going to mean, you know, Golden Knight, one of honor. This feels like a team that has sold its soul at times and has flown a little bit too close to the sun now in their attempts to get back to the Stanley Cup final and win it that it feels like this is the year that everything caught up to them. And you could say, yes, the injuries were unlucky. Yes, this happened. Yes, that happened. But it feels like a team that kind of got gobbled up by the sun after flying a little too close to it. And then you go on the opposite end of that, Frank. You go from the Vegas Golden Knights to all of a sudden, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions look like they're like, okay, boys, playoffs are starting. Here we go. Uh, we're going to put eight spots up for fun, uh, even without uh, one of our best players in Braden Point. And it's not like they're doing it against Arizona and Montreal. That's what I was going to say. It's <laughs> the teams they're doing it against. Oh, Toronto, we're going to see you in the first round, eight to one. Nashville, you think you're a good team in the West? Six to two. Florida Panthers, oh, you won the East. That's great. You have a nice home ice advantage through the first three rounds if you get there. Eight to four. Yeah. All of a sudden, the, they look like, well, and they were the team I said in the last three weeks, Frank, when they were slumping. Any other team that would have slumped this time of year, I'd been like, oof, not a good time. But for Tampa Bay and all their experience and all their skill, I was like, yeah, they're still in the contender category for me. So do you have any concerns about the abs? Um, a little bit. Uh, I've, looked at the ab- I've, I've looked at the abs since March 1st. Right. And um, I, I know you talked, I think what I think was a adjusted Fenwick. Was that your adjusted relative yeah, score Fenwick? adjusted Fenwick? Yes. Score adjusted Fenwick. So um, now, but when you look just at straight records and since March 1st, and usually that's the, the number you've used. And so I could even go March 15th if we want to be fair, because yeah, I think we need to bump it back this year. Yeah, the, so it, we bump it back. And, so and to refresh look, everyone, if you're listening for the first time, I hadn't heard this before. I had a buddy a number of years back that, is a big time gambler. And he figured out that score adjusted Fenwick from March 1st on to close out the regular season as a, as a pretty accurate predictor of teams that make it to the Stanley cup final. And so what he would do is he'd take a bunch of the teams in the top eight or top 10 and, and bet specific matchups for the cup final, which have high payouts. And that was one of the ways he did it. So we'd have to adjust the stat this year because the regular season is a bit longer, call it March 15th or something like that in order to, to really get a good idea of, of what we're talking about here. And, and Colorado to me, Frank is still a little bit in the category of, uh, of uh, Tampa Bay, because if you look, no Rantanen, no Landeskog, no Devontae's there's three of what your top six or seven players that are out when, when they've lost these games. Um, I was actually a little surprised that Camper played last night, to be honest. I thought they might, they might rest him after um, that he played in Edmonton on Friday, but I'm still not that concerned against Colorado because they don't have a first round matchup. That's tough. I don't care if it's going to be Dallas. I don't care if it's Vegas. Now I'm not saying it's a uh, eight days, a waste of your time. <laughs> Although I love that quote from Daryl Sutter, yeah. but C- Colorado might have the easiest first round matchup in any team in the playoffs, regardless of who they play. And that's going to allow them to, get those guys back and up and running. And so Colorado would still be, uh, would still be legit for me. So in case you're curious, it's you sat percentage close. And from March 15th on the abs are ranked 14th behind the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. Oh yeah. They have like, they've, they've missed some key players, but the thing is, so I don't have them 
as much of a dominant force as I did six weeks ago. I will admit to that, right? Like when I was ranking my teams, I don't have them up there as high. And, but I wonder how much of that is due to like, that's some key injuries, right? Kadri missed eight games in that time. Like even the good teams, when you miss your best players, I think that's uh, eventually can catch up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not concerned, but four straight against, especially against a couple non-playoff teams, including the Kraken, including the Jets. I know the abs don't have a ton to play for. They've had their top spot in the West locked up for a while on top of the injuries. It is hard, but you know, I think a lot of people are curious what's going on there. Yeah. Oh no, that's fair. I've, I've looked at, um, I've looked at their numbers and you're, uh, you're, you're wondering why in the games that they're losing. Uh, I think when you missed, you, you know, two of your top uh, line players, I know now, now Rantanen's only missed the last, what is it? Three or four games, which funny enough, that's when they've, uh, they've been back. So mm-hmm. um, Colorado is, I just think that first round matchup because Dallas and Vegas, either one who they get, I just don't see them as having a shot to knock them off. I agree. So let's talk about teams that have a shot or don't let's play okay. a little game. Let's we, we have games. A, a pretty good idea of who the 16 playoff teams are. We're going to say Vegas is out for this exercise and purposes because the math, especially after Sunday night's loss is really working against them. So let's break the 16. Everyone wants to know what the tiers look like. You know, we think we talk about it all the time of the draft class, but let's break down the playoffs into four distinct tiers of teams. We're going to call them pretenders, dark horses, plausible cup winners, and elite contenders. Okay. Let's start with the pretenders. Who are the teams that you think have zero shot to go four rounds and win? Well, okay. I'll start with, and it doesn't matter to me who it is, Dallas or Vegas. I'm going to say Dallas, but I will start with Dallas. I don't, uh, I don't see them having much of a, a much of a shot uh, right now, especially because they're going to have to play Carolina. And even though Carolina, or sorry, Colorado has struggled a bit, uh, they're still pretty elite. Um, I will put in. Um, I'm going to sorry, Penguins fans, you've had an unreal season, but the uh, the Pens, especially Frank, if uh, if they get caught by Washington, and right now Washington has the the Frank Valley points percentage uh, lead, uh, they're one back with a, a game in hand. Uh, they're facing Florida. That's a buzzsaw. And uh, if they don't face Florida and they somehow finish third, they're playing the Rangers and the New York Rangers have played quite well here down the stretch. So I'm going to say Pittsburgh. And then my last one is the LA Kings. And uh, mainly because the Kings don't have Drew Doughty. Um, they don't have Walker. And I think the defense come playoff time when the games just get tighter, it becomes more vital. And uh, no Drew Doughty is just, it's a death blow to an LA team that has been one of the most pleasant surprises in the regular season. I know they got Dano and they got Kopitar and, and Jonathan quick can still make you just blow your mind with some of his saves, but I'm going to go with the Kings. So those are my three pretenders. Okay. So I've got four, those same three teams, Pitt, Dallas, and LA for all the reasons that you mentioned, I'm going to add Boston in there. Really? Yeah. I, I don't like it. It's a lot of it is matchup specific, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you take a look at, their likely first round opponent and it's still, you know, it's, it's not pretty. And if they, you know, if if you're looking at it and it's Boston, Carolina, okay. So they might be able to win. Might, might, might still going to be the big underdog. We just talked, talked about unblocked shot attempt, close percentage. The, The far and away leader was the Carolina hurricanes. Number two, was Boston. So yes. it is an interesting matchup from yes. that sense. I just don't think the Bruins have enough depth scoring to get them there. Yeah. And that's really why I have them in that spot. Their first line. Fantastic. You could put them up against anyone. They're really relying on guys like Jake DeBrus to help get them over the top. And I just don't know that they have the goods to do it. See, I really like ever since they split up the, the Marshawn Pasternak uh, Bergeron line and put Pasternak at Hall and uh, Bergeron and Marshawn. I think it makes them a better team because you're right. That one line was super dominant, but it spreads it out. Even if bit. you call them a two line team, they're definitely yeah. not a three line team. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right. So you have those. So you have four pretenders. Who are your dark horses? How many dark horses you got? I have three dark horses. Ooh, all right. 
Let's see. One is the Nashville Predators. Yep. The UC Soros effect. I think that Calgary Nashville first round series, if that's what it ends up being, it's not a guarantee, but it's pretty likely at this point. I think it's going to be closer than people think. Um, I still like Calgary. I think they're a really good team. I think it's going to depend on how well they defend against Yossi. Um, that I think that Janot Sissons Trenin line can be a headache in the playoffs with their size. And I think we've sort of not underrated, but you know, you look at some of the season, these other guys have had Duchesne and others, like they they've got some firepower. Granlin is a, is a prototypical playoff player. So I've got the Preds. Okay. Another dark horse is the Washington Capitals, which I definitely would not have said four weeks ago, but they've been pretty much on fire the last I've been really good little while. So they're playing really well. Ovechkin is doing Ovechkin like things again. And they've been a different team really since Anthony Mantha came back. So he's been a huge part of it. And the other dark horse team that I have is the Edmonton Oilers. You know, you've seen it way more up close than me, but since Todd Woodcroft came in, they've been a really, did did I say Todd? Yeah. Jay. I meant to say Jay. I always say his brother. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, Since Jay Woodcroft came in, they've actually been a really good team in terms of being towards the top in the West and certainly in the, in the league overall. I just feel like at some point, you know, I think it's a favorable first round matchup. Who knows what it looks like when they get to the other side of that first round. Okay. So I have, uh, I have two of those same ones in Nashville and Washington for the same reasons. Now, Washington, I might put in pretender category, Frank, at the end of the regular season, if they get Florida. Because I think it's a really different matchup if you're playing the Rangers and you're playing Florida, right? And that's really what them and um, and Pittsburgh are switching. So I have them as a dark horse. I then have the Boston Bruins as a as a dark horse for me, and because I think if uh, if they take on Carolina for the for the reasons you mentioned, them and Carolina have been in the top two in, in the in the category that you like, and the Bruins have actually played quite well. And and I'm not a hundred percent sold on Carolina. So, so that's why I don't have them. And then I actually have the, uh, the New York Rangers, the New York Rangers for the first, you know, 50 or 60 games relied on Shesterkin massively, but they've actually changed. And you know what? Uh, they've been better since. And so the Rangers first round matchup, if it's Pittsburgh, boom. And once you win around, Frank, everything can change. Now you're in, you've won around, you're feeling good about yourself. And I just think Shesterkin's a guy who, he can steal a few games in a series. I don't believe mm-hmm. a goalie can steal a whole series. It's hard to win all four games by yourself. But if your goalie steals one or two and you're and it's a close series, well, then you can win. Right. And, and I think Shesterkin, uh, whether so you it's have the Rangers as a dark horse, I have them as a dark horse. Yeah. Okay. I have them as a plausible contender for all yeah. those reasons that you like they're they're to me to they could be a team that actually ends up going on a run and wins. Oh. Yeah, well, I would, so, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's no. sort of that category is like if this team went on a run, would you be surprised if in late June they're hoisting the cup? And yeah. I put the Rangers in that category. Yeah, so that's where like I had, I have a, those are the four teams, and like plausible and and dark horse was was very close for me. Um, but then I look at matchups and different things like that to say, okay, maybe it's plausible. So I have, uh, I have the four Nashville, Washington, Boston, and New York as my dark horses. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think when it, with dark horse, it's for a lot of people, teams that were counted out a while ago, like people yeah. haven't been talking about the Washington capitals as a, as a contender. No one's really been talking about the Preds as a team that could do it. That's how we sort of ended up with the dark horse category. So who are your teams in the plausible category then? Well, I have two. They're both in the plausible, and they're going to meet each other in the first round. And that's Minnesota and St. Louis. That's and my that's, goodness, I have those two as well. That series might. That is going to be a fascinating series to me. I, again, it's a, a heavyweight slugfest. Oh, to the Central Division fans though, who get absolutely bent over in the in the first round of the playoffs for those eight thirty local time starts. So, uh, just my uh, my apologies in advance. Trust me, uh, Central fans, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Uh, I think that that would be brutal if you have any kids. You got a PBR every game so they can watch past the first period uh, in the postseason. But man, like both of those teams 
have played well. The Minnesota Wild, since March 1st, maybe they've been the best team in the league if you look at points percentage. They've been unreal. And they're big. They're heavy. They got two good goalies, right? I'm. You'd think it's going to be Marc-Andre Fleury, I assume, because of his, his playoff track record. But if by chance he has an off game, you can go to Cam Talbot and feel very confident. I think they got the best goaltending tandem in the NHL right now if you need it. Maybe they go circa Pittsburgh Penguins of 16 and 17. So you never know. Even the Washington Capitals, if you remember, Holby didn't start the mm-hmm. first two games. So I don't really know who to pick in that series, Frank. Honestly, I got to look at all flip. the numbers. It is. So that's why I have close of a coin flip as you can get. Yeah, I have both of them in. I have the uh, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs who Agreed. are plausible. Um, yeah. their, their biggest challenge. They're going to have to face the two time defending Stanley Cup champions in in their Achilles heel, the first round of the playoffs. And so like all the arrows point now to me thinking, man, that is going to be a real tough matchup for them. I know they lost eight one, but they didn't have Camel and didn't have Matthews. And that's a pretty big key for your team. But if the Maple Leafs, the way they've played at different times in the season, it's not like I would be shocked. Geez, Toronto's here. They are in the final four. But they're in a tough division and they got to beat Tampa and Florida. So is it plausible? Yes, but it's unlikely. Uh, then I have I think, Edmonton. Edmonton. I think the because, Leafs, by the way, are just appointment television. Yeah. Because well, they're fun to watch. Uh, well, it's, it's not just fun to watch, but like think about the drama heading into this series. Like if you lose in the first round again, you know, I don't think there's any shame in losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning no. this year. And I don't know that that's any reason to blow it up and you know, change jobs and everything else that people have been talking about trying to put absolutes on people's heads all season long. But if they're somehow able to slay the dragon this year, it could be off to the races. Like if they're able to exercise some of those demons, not saying, you know, they're not going to be a favorite in any of their first two round matchups, even if they win. But if they're somehow able to get through the first round, like all bets are off at that point. I I think that team is squarely in the mix and could give Florida some headaches. Uh, And I have Edmonton in the plausible category because I think they have one one of the the best first round matchups. And what, and you just said it, Frank, when you get out of the first round, now you're into eight and there's, there's eight teams left and Edmonton and Calgary. If we assume Calgary beats Nashville, Edmonton and Calgary have, have played very close series uh, in the regular season, the last few years, right? Uh, They've switched dominating each other. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a, you know, Calgary has been the, the better team overall, all regular season. Edmonton had a bad 15 games that, that really changed their numbers, but I would love to see that matchup and, and sell, Selfishly, fans in Alberta have not seen a Battle of Alberta in 31 years. There are so many young fans. Like, really, if you're under 40, you have no recollection of 91. You don't. You never either seen it, you weren't alive, or you were too young to really appreciate it. And heck, you might even go to 45. Like maybe when you're 12, you'll really remember a series, something like that. But that's something that's desperately needed, I think, for the fans of both teams. It would be unreal to watch. And then the other one that I have. Is that a coin flip, by the way? Or do you think the Flames have an advantage? I think the Flames have a slight advantage, but I don't think it's like a major one. It might be like a 53-47 type of advantage for me. I don't see it being like a a 65-35 or even a 60-40 because McDavid, his best numbers in the NHL are against the Calgary Flames. Yeah. And And we know about the Flames and their playoff struggles. Johnny Gaudreau, not quite the same player when it gets to the playoffs. And my last plausible one is the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Freddie Anderson injury is is why they drop down they they've been and and maybe they're just you know they're playing out the string they don't have much to play for and that's that's possible but i don't know why i just there's something about that carolina team that that they they have a lot of really good forwards no superstar they don't have a superstar and come playoff time usually you need a superstar so that's why i'll put them in the plausible i wouldn't be shocked if they win but right now it looks like they're playing Boston, Frank, and them in Boston, you know, looking at your stat and the way they're playing, like that's a really intriguing first round matchup. They also haven't been that great the last four or six weeks. Like they don't, no. it's almost like they sort of hit their first skid of the season when push came to shove. And all of a sudden after having a pretty sizable or healthy lead in your division, you know, you're dealing with facing, you know, and on a nightly basis, squaring off with the Rangers in the standings for the top spot in your division. They've won four straight of late. Um, 
but for a while it was like win, loss, win, loss, win, one, lose two kind of thing. So, um, so what, where do you have Calgary? Uh, well, give me your, who are your plausibles? And then I'll tell so you my, my, my th- that's why I asked my plausibles are a lot of them are the same as you St. Louis, Minnesota, New York Rangers, Carolina, Toronto. And then I have Calgary in the plausible category. Mm. They didn't make the next tier, which is elite bona fide, true cup contenders. I only have three teams in that category, Florida, Colorado, and Tampa. That's it. Okay. All right. It was hard to break into that category. And for all the reasons that we're seeing from the lightning, for what we've seen from Colorado, pretty much from start to finish this season, Florida is an offensive juggernaut. I just don't see Calgary on the same level of those as those teams. And, and you're kind of making my point for me. If you're saying that there's a second round matchup between the flames and Oilers, that it's a slight advantage for Calgary and not a big one. Well, my question is right now, Colorado facing Minnesota, St. Louis. I wouldn't see that as a massive advantage either. Right. And, uh, but you and, would still have to consider Colorado. As well, Colorado would be the favorite, but you, no, but you I'm saying up, if, if we're talking tiers, yeah. Colorado is elite. Are they not? Oh, Colorado's elite. My, you brought up a, a good point about Colorado though, Frank, the star of the pot or this segment, the recent play and their injuries, right? Like, um, now Ranton and I'm told an illness, so they're just being cautious. Okay. But like Gabriel Laniscog is a really key piece for your team. And, you know, he had 10 goals in the 14 games before he got injured. Like, that's a massive big piece of your lineup taken out. And, you know, he's a he's built for the playoffs. Now, I know that Nathan McKinnon is one of those rare freaks who's an elite player in the regular season, but actually gets better in the postseason. So, you know, maybe he maybe Colorado can just turn it on. But I, uh, I there, the other teams like the way Minnesota's played here down the stretch, I just if they beat if they knocked off. Colorado, it wouldn't be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Colorado lost, right? Like that's why um, as as much as there's favorites, I don't have Colorado as like a 70-30 favorite over Minnesota or anything like that. But I do have them. I actually have Calgary in the the contender category because to me, a contender, you get to the conference final, you're a legit contender. And I don't think anybody's surprised if Calgary gets to the conference final. I had them as the favorite over Edmonton, so they would be uh, in there. Now, Florida and Tampa, Frank, are the one guys that we both have in our contender, but one of them is going to be out in the second round. Well, I I guess technically one could be out in the first round, but if they both win, like we assume, then still one of them's out in the second round, but we both have them as contenders. Cause I think, you know, you get out, whoever wins that series will be a favorite because Florida has been great all year long. The Aaron Ekblad thing is what I'm watching here down the stretch. Are they going to have him? Can they be cautious against Pittsburgh or Washington and not rush him back and make sure he's ready to go for that second round series? Cause if he is, that's a huge boost for the Panthers. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. We were just talking about the abs and the injuries. We didn't mention Devon Taves at all. Yeah. It's a pretty well, big they, one. I was told that Taves um, uh, was, they were being cautious with him. They're just giving him more time, which makes sense. Like they yeah, got nothing I was just, to play for. I was just thinking, uh, I, I saw a tweet from our friend, Peter Ball from the athletic on Sunday night. He said, went over the abs problems and potential solutions. Here's an easy one. Get Devon Taves healthy. <laughs> Yes. The Avs with, with Taves this year, 59 and five without Taves, five, nine and one. Yeah. No, Taves is good, man. Well, well, Lou and the boys, they're rethinking that trade. That was a tough one. I think that was, wasn't that Fitzgerald? The Islanders. Oh, that's right. No, you're right. Sorry. I'm thinking of Ryan Graves. Yeah. Yeah. He came from Colorado. Yeah. 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 So that's one like two same get an NHL player for him. I didn't uh that was uh you look back on that on on, on trades a pure cap casualty derail your team and, and yeah. cap casualty. The guy's got an unreal contract too. That's what's crazy well, about they it. They so. just bet on the wrong guys. Yeah, totally. Totally did. So and that's why, hey, look, you know, you can make one or two bad moves and all of a sudden, boom, you find yourself out of the playoffs. Right. So I like the, so do you like, so, I, so you what? have four teams in your elite category. I have three. Yeah. I have four contenders, five plausibles, four dark horse and three pretenders. Okay. I got three contenders, six plausible, three dark horse, four pretenders. So, yeah. So hmm. we'll see. I mean, it, it's, 
the crazy thing about the playoffs and you know, this Jason is like, sometimes you see it in the first round, things start to crystallize and you're like, this team feels like they've got something going on a little bit of a team of destiny. And all of a sudden, you know, one of your teams toward the bottom of your tiers begins to go on a bit of a run. And you're like, Oh, why didn't I see that all along? Yeah. Wow. Like that Minnesota St. Louis series, heck Toronto, Tampa Bay, like, I'll pick Tampa Bay, I'll say right now, because of their playoff experience. But I don't rule out Toronto. Toronto's a really good team. Like, they're a good team that's, like, they're going to be fed kind of like, if they lose that series, they're just kind of getting a little bit of bad luck uh, in the fence that you're taking on the two-time defending champions who, once again, their GM goes out and throws all the chips in the middle to add guys at the postseason. Like, there's just not a lot of teams that do that. Right. Like that's three years in a row now that they pushed everything in and they're, you know, at some point they're going to have to pay the piper down the road. But uh, right now their management core and their ownership group doesn't care. They're not, they'll worry about three, four years later down the road. They're worrying about now. And, uh, and that's a real tough matchup. And, and the Austin Matthews injury, Frank, we haven't even touched on that, but I think we should. You, you saw, well, you know, Keith's comments about it. And, um, you know, uh, it was a Justin hole. I think a teammate just said, you know what? Like, yeah, they want him to play right now, and it's just it's bad timing. You, you throw in Bunting's injury, and all of a sudden, Toronto, that's two guys. So if Bunting's out, and Austin Matthews is playing, but he's 60%, that's two guys from your top line that has been a really dominant line. That completely changes the whole makeup of your team. And it's not like you did anything wrong. It's just horrible timing. Yeah. Um, I would say that the Hurricanes goaltending counts in that category as yep. well. Freddie yep. Anderson will be reevaluated at some point early this week. Anti Ranta leaves Sunday's game, didn't return, and they left it uh, in the capable hands of their rookie, whose name I can't pronounce, Peter Kachekov. Okay. Isn't he 2 0 now? He is 2 0. Wow. But hey. sub 900 save percentage. <laughs> and he's uh, 22 and dealing with a legit playoff team. That's yeah, a lot yeah, to no, ask. Not a lot to ask for sure. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk. Ty, how you doing? I am doing good. I'm I'm ready to go for another edition of Fill in the Blank, delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. Get 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order when you use the promo code Rundown DD. You guys have obviously covered a lot of topics here in terms of the teams that are in the playoffs and what could come in the next few months. I want to start you off with a question about the scoring race. Connor McDavid. Now four points clear of Jonathan Huberto in the Art Ross race. McDavid sitting at 118 points. So your question is, Connor McDavid will finish the year with blank points. He's got three more games to go in the regular season, Jason. It's a really good question because people are already asking, you know, if you're the Edmonton Orders, do you uh, do you rest um, Connor McDavid? Here's my answer. No. And, and the reason why I don't rest him is because I'm like, you can limit his minutes. In those games, you don't have to rest him. Connor McDavid has been on record as saying he likes to play. He likes to feel the puck. He wants to be in things. So, you know, he's obviously going to play tomorrow against Pittsburgh. Um, then you've got San Jose and Vancouver. I, I'm going to say he finishes with 123. He'll get five points in his last three games. Killing me, Smalls. <laughs> I had McDavid over 125 and a half. Yeah. So I am sweating this last week. I got a bunch of, and I was going to mention this after the segment, I got a bunch of over under totals from the beginning of the season that are coming right down to the wire, but uh, he's got six points in his last two games. He would need to go uh, three, three. He need eight in the last three games in order to get me there. I don't think it's happening. I'd say he ends up just to spite me at 124. All right. Uh, you guys touched a little bit about the lightning, but I want a bit of a different take on it. So they've scored 22 goals in three games. <laughs> Give me one word to describe how you'd be feeling about facing the lightning in round one. If you were the Leafs. one word, Frank. Damn. The only thing I can think of is two underwear, two, two words, clean underwear. I would need <laughs> clean underwear. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll give you that one. It's creative enough. Jason. I'll, I'll, trepidation. All right. I like that one too. Scurred. Uh, sticking with the one word theme. Did you guys both see Eric Holla's penalty shot attempt yesterday? 
That was awesome. <laughs> I missed that one. You missed well, he that skated one? right oh, by man. the puck. He went to go pick. And if he touches the puck, it would have been negated. But he actually missed it. So he'd able to go around and do it again. Oh, it was funny. So then, uh, Jason, since you've seen the Halla one, give me one word to describe that Eric Halla penalty shot attempt. Oh, lucky. That's, For that's, him not to touch the puck because he tried to touch the puck. Yeah. And he didn't touch the puck. Like I, and watch his reaction. The thing I love about Hollow's reaction is as he's skating back to the bench, he's covering his mouth with his jersey because he's clearly laughing, right? Because he's kind of embarrassed. Like, I can't believe I did that. Because you know his, like Brad Marchand a few years ago. I was just going to mention similar. one word, Marchand. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Well, Frank, I was going to go a different direction for, for you. You saw the Kuznetsov shootout attempt. Give me one word to describe the Evgeny Kuznetsov shootout attempt. Cocky. So cocky. Or I, mean, I was going to say unnecessary. Yeah, that too. To the two stick, the, the two twirl. Like it just, I don't know. I, I like the swagger. I love it. <laughs> eh, I'm good without it. I'm, I'm on the fence about it. There's part of me that loves it. There's part of me that's like, yeah, maybe I got, but again, it worked. Right. So it's like, you know, yeah. can you hate on a guy if it works. Uh, let's get to our points bet bonus question, courtesy of points bet Canada. We got some links going around. They are live in Ontario. Uh, the Stanley cup favorite is the Colorado avalanche at plus three fifty, followed by the Panthers plus 500, the Calgary flames plus eight fifty. The Leafs are at plus 900 and the lightning are at 10 to one. Uh, I'm ignoring that for the question though. I got a bit of a more creative one for you guys. Last week it was announced. The NHL's global series is returning. I'm giving you the option to put the global series wherever you want and you get an all expense paid trip to go watch the games as well. Anywhere in the world, you can put a global series, two teams, head to head, NHL hockey, wherever you want and you get to go. Frank, where would you pick? Hmm. I'd like to see the NHL go back to Japan. Okay. And I also know that my wife would never go to Japan. So I don't know. Good chance for you to go. Yeah, that's send me to a place where I can never probably go again. Um, well, it's a city that I've had so many people tell me I have to go see. So when I go there, I'm planning an extensive trip. And it's funny because that's where it is this year in Prague. Prague, I've heard, is one of the greatest, most beautiful cities to go to. And uh, not only, you know, they got fans who like hockey, so the atmosphere at the game would be an added bonus. But Prague is on my list of top cities. Now, the, the number one place I want to go in the world is, a, is, a, is an African safari. But there's no chance we can play hockey there. So I'll go with Prague. What about what about the NHL down under? What if you find? I was going to say Australia, Australia, but I, I I don't I just don't know if there's you know obviously there's not a ton of appetite in Japan either. I just no. no. They don't even like, they're not even scratching the surface. No. In Australia. New, New Zealand, true story. We had a, my, one of my buddies, his nickname was Bolts. And he was, he was not like a very good player for, for us. He, you know, he played like low level junior. Yes. He ends up going to be a bartender in New Zealand when he's 21. He ends up playing like he gets a stick contract. He's getting all this money playing in New Zealand. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Like he, he, his favorite move to clear the puck was just ringing around the boards as a fenceman. Like he was allergic to tape to tape passes yet. He's over there and he's like a superstar. I couldn't believe it. So uh, they do have an appetite. So I guess if you're going anywhere, go to New Zealand. There's some funny stories, by the way, of uh, Scott Hartnell had told me a few over the years, he played his first ever NHL game in Japan. They opened the season there. He's a rookie oh. and he's like, Oh yeah. First game in the league in Japan. <laughs> Like pretty good. unbelievable. Unreal. How was that? Like, I don't even remember that early 2000s. Yeah. Exactly. Jeez. 2000. Wow. They, they, and they've played a number of games in Japan over the years, but they haven't gone back recently. Hmm. I don't know. Japan's a place I'd really like to yeah. see. Yeah. All right. That's going to be a wrap for another edition of fill in the blank delivered by DoorDash. So points bet promo uh, points, bet bonus question points, bet bonus talk. I got Canucks over 88 and a half. So they need one more win. Yeah. Three games to do it. Oilers over 98 and a half. They need one more point. Three games to do it. McDavid to win the Art Ross. Probably looking pretty good. Matthews to win the Rocket looking pretty good. And then McDavid over 125 and a half. Probably not going to happen. Yeah, I think the uh, Vancouver is going to get another win. Um, 
But what uh, if they don't? What if they just pack like they're out? Like they're pretty much out. What yeah. if they just oh, no. pack it in? Yeah, they might, but I, I, they'll find a way to win a game. Um, if that's all you need is two, because you picked them at eighty-eight, right? eighty-eight and a half. Yeah, so okay, two so they get the win, and really they could have two overtime losses in that span too. So I, I think the Canucks will help you. Um, the order is getting um, one point in their next three games. It's Pittsburgh, Vancouver, and San Jose. They'll they'll get a point minimum. I think their their internal goal, Frank. They've been talking about Jay Woodcroft has mentioned it numerous times is a hundred points as a team. So that's something they've really focused on since he took over. And when he took over, maybe it didn't look that plausible, mm-hmm. but they're going to get there. So I think they do that. Uh, I think McDavid's got, he's three points up on Huberdo, which is technically four because he has the goal lead, right? right. So Huberdo has to outscore him. They got three games left each. If you think McDavid's even going to get four or five points, I mean, Huberdo has got to get like eight. So it's possible uh, though, man, Florida, it's that team. I've never seen a team that scores like that. At yeah, least that no, I can remember. They're on fire lately for sure. You got to go back to like the Penguins of 96 when they just lit everybody up. And, uh, but McDavid, hey, if, if, if Huberto could get, if you think it's plausible for McDavid to get eight points, sure. But I, I think it's hard for you, Frank. I, I think you're right. Uh, like, cause he could finish with two points a game in his last three games, which and is unreal. Short. And still fall short. So, but he has three in each of his last two. So, yeah. I'm holding well, out and, and, and his line mate right now, Vander Kane's on a heater again. So, yeah. Well, and you know what my resolution for the week is and heading into the playoffs? Stop referring to Jay Woodcroft as Todd. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good one to have. We all, we all have things to work on heading into the playoffs, Jason. Yeah. That's that. So that'll be yours. All right. Well, uh, we'll see if, uh, if it clears up and, uh, by Friday's pod, Frank, uh, that's the last day of the, well, technically not the last day of the regular season. It'll be decided before then. I think. You think so? Oh, it should be. And then uh, going to look at matchups and the playoffs should be starting a week from today. Finally, this I know this seems but this regular oh. season just seems like it's drug on for so long. So Forever. I can't wait till next Monday and we get some playoff action. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.